0: Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, got each other on our side, plus all the folks at FRIED, the burnout podcast, with Kate Donovan. Welcome to FRIED, the burnout podcast. FRIED is the podcast for everyone who has ever felt burnout because of their job, relationship, or life. Kate Donovan, burnout expert, will interview a new guest each week who will share their burnout stories with all the gory details. Every episode will give you immediate action steps that you can take right now if you're feeling fried and crispy around the edges. Fried's main goals are to raise burnout awareness, kill the associated shame, and create a movement to end burnout culture. Fried fans, more than once or twice, you have asked me to share some stories from some men instead of from some women. And I am so, so, so excited to introduce you to Daryl Griffin of the Burnout Bros today. And I want you to just really listen into the depth of this conversation because he was so generous with his words and so generous with his experience. And I'm super excited to have him on here. I'm going to be putting links to everything that he does and to everything that he's promoting Um, because he's kicking off his own podcast this month as well. And he really deserves the attention because as much as I talk to women most of the time, because that's what I understand, because that's what I am. I do believe that burnout in men is a major, major issue. And there should be somebody that is focusing on that. So I am super, super, super excited to have you listen in to this magical conversation. So without further ado. Hello, Fried fans. Welcome to another week of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I am your host, Kate Donovan, and today I have a special guest with me, one of the very few men who has been on the podcast. His name is Daryl Griffin. He is talking to us all the way from down under, and he is a human-scented marketer and anti-guru who also happens to be starting a peer support community for men who have burnt out because of his own experience. And that's why he is here today. I found him on LinkedIn. I usually only have um, guests that have pitched me because I have lists and lists of them to get through. But I saw Daryl and I thought, I kind of need to talk to him. So I reached out to him. So this this is a a very special day for me. And I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. So Daryl, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, even with our time differences and all that jazz.
1: Well, I'm I'm honored, Kate, and thank you for having me on the show. I didn't know that I was one of the few men that have appeared, so um, it is an honor and a privilege. Thank you very much.
0: I'm just thrilled to share your story because I I read through your story on LinkedIn, and it hit me that it's pretty much the same thing as we go through, and there's just not enough conversation around the fact that this is happening to men too. So, I would really love for you to just jump in and tell your burnout story, um, and then we'll let the conversation flow from there
1: okay um probably best for me to to give a little bit of context because um um i as you can tell i'm an english man um i I married a, an Australian girl in the u k in two thousand and six and we moved to Perth, which is a hometown, a home city, in 2012. We moved with my nine month old son and the 5,000 English pounds we had to our name. And we arrived in Perth, where I'm speaking to you now. And I was then 45 years old. And the romance of moving from one side of the world to the other. was suddenly replaced by the realization that, hang on a minute, I don't know anybody here. I have a 20-year-old business network in the UK, which is of no value to me here. And so that was the first little um, chink. I have done that.
0: I have done that and been there twice in my life, back and forth to Europe from the states. I was in okay. Europe for 12 years, so I understand that bit really well.
1: Now so 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 coupled with that was the fact that I was a father and I probably if I'm honest with you, lived my 20s and 30s and my early 40s largely for myself. Until getting married, of course, that changes things slightly, or it should do. But then having a child changed it dramatically. I was a doting father from day one and was absolutely blown away by. Fatherhood. Um, even though before I was a father, I whatever. But actually, once my eyes locked on my son's eyes, there was no going back from there. And uh, so I carried that huge responsibility and and wanted to be a good dad. I wanted to model to him good values and so on and so forth. Then what had happened professionally? So so. I come from a sales background and to be fair, good salespeople are hard to come by. So I didn't have a great deal of difficulty getting a job. The problem was is that I've always been entrepreneurial and I've been through bankruptcy. That's a whole other story. At the age of 25 in the UK, we had a, a lot of problems with interest rates in the very early 1990s and um, got caught up in that and I'd suppressed my entrepreneurial spirit but it was always eager to jump out going back into the workplace although I'd been working in England I'd been working as a director of a company and I had a lot of freedom but when we moved to to Australia and I took this role as an account manager I found it very restrictive very limiting and um, struggled with the company environment, struggled with the Australian culture. And even in those days, there were tears. Uh, I said to, to my wife, I said, I have no idea why we came to this place, you know. But I pressed on, and, and that was the catalyst for me to become very heavily involved in in LinkedIn as a tool and had some great success with it. Actually, it, it actually... I got a lot of freedom from my then employer because of the success I was having with, with the tool, which ultimately led me away from the company to into my own kind of marketing um, business. The long and short of it was that having so I started this um consulting business, and it was up and down. To be fair, I struggled with that. Struggled with the with the fact that I'd I'd been bankrupt before. And I was haunted by that. I didn't want to let down my family. Uh, you know, my my children, by the time I started the business, my daughter was born. So she was a month old when I started my consultancy. And, you know, and I look back and think, are you, are, you, are you mad? You know, but, you know, I needed to do it almost for my own sanity, to be fair. It was difficult. I had to balance trying to get the business up and running, but also to kind of supplement that income with some part-time contract work. And of course, my background is sales. So I was trying to make the business work, which was stressful in its own right. And then working part-time is in a sales role, (laughs) which was stressful in its own right. My wife wasn't working decided together as a family that we would try and get by with the one income until the children were in school. And we actually managed to do that. But the reality is, and this is going back now to September of 2018, or just prior to that, I had the first signs of what turned out to be burnout because I had this series of chest infections three of them in close succession. And I've always been a little bit susceptible to them, but not so close together. And I thought to myself, oh, this isn't a good sign. And And then there was one particular evening when I kind of got to bed and I said to my wife, I said, I don't think I can sustain this. I don't feel I can get off this I need to get off the roundabout, but I don't see, I can't see a way of doing it. And I remember going to bed that night and like one of those moments where you shut your eyes, put your head on the pillow, close your eyes. And then the next thing the alarms going off to get up and hit it again, you know, and then these are the days when I was getting up at, you know, five 30 to, to do the commute for the sales, come back in the afternoon, occasionally have to do some coaching. And it was just ridiculous to the point where one day and i'm trying to think we got we we managed to get to christmas of 2018 sort of fell into christmas and really needed christmas to be about a two-month holiday and it was only two weeks got to the other side of it and had to go to the guys that i was doing some sales contracting work with and, and said to them i don't know what it is but there's something's not right, and I'm just telling you that the way I, where my head is at the moment, I, I don't think I'm being fair to you, to continue to take your money. Well, um, they were they were they were good guys, and they they said, well, okay, you know, go and see your doctor, you know. So, so I, you know, I so, said, well, okay, that's probably a logical thing to do, and I'll report back to see what the doctor says. Well, funnily enough, the doctor. Doctors seemed quite reluctant to initially uh, diagnose burnout. Um, I don't know whether that's going to be changing anytime soon. There was—he acknowledged that I there were certain stresses in my life, but felt that if I had a certain, you know, a, a course of medication for a season, that would probably deal with it. So I was put on 10 milligrams of fluoxetine which is b prozac essentially um didn't get on with it at all had brain zaps and all kinds of weird stuff going on and um couldn't wait to get off of it though i did follow the doctor's instructions and did stay on it for for the prescribed amount of time but was very pleased to get off of it it only was masking the reactor and in a within within a few weeks i was in a very dark place a lot of it's a blur kate
0: yeah that's okay we'll, we'll go through you know what you remember and and what's happening and this is already pretty important and in the story that you write on linkedin you know you wrote a really important sentence you know i thought it was cru- i thought i was crushing it but in reality it was crushing me yeah and i think Really important that you said, you know, I had, and I talk about this all the time on the podcast. The thing about burnout and the reason why it's so difficult for doctors to diagnose is first of all, because it's not technically a diagnosis. It's an occupational hazard. If you look at the qualifications, it's not technically a a disease. So they can't technically diagnose it. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is every single person that will experience it will have symptoms in their in the part of their body or system that has the least amount of integrity that has that is the weakest. Mm. So if you were already prone to chest infections, then it's not odd to me, or my background is Chinese medicine. So it's not odd in Chinese medicine, that that's where that weakness would show up. Yeah. That's where the burnout would show up. But doctors don't see these connections, don't even believe in these no. connections. So, it's hard for them to because for some people, that burnout symptom will be migraines. Mm. For you, it was chest infections. For me, it was a thyroid issue. Mm. For somebody else, it's going to be something, it's going to be IBS, Crohn's disease, all of a sudden food sensitivities that you had never had before. Yeah. Weakness in the muscles. It's going to be a million different things based on what was happening in your body for the previous 30 years of your life or more. Yeah. Right. So I think those things that you've already said are, or are already pretty incredibly important. And I'd also like to just take a minute to touch upon the fact that in this podcast and in my book, we really talk a lot about the female entrepreneur and the extra pressures that she has, because for instance, it is scientifically proven time and time again, that we work more hours than you in the home. So even if we're working full time, so when, a male entrepreneur starts a business. The woman is still is expected to pick up everything else at home. The man is supposed to focus on the business and the woman is supposed to do everything at the house. Yeah. But when a woman starts a business, she's still supposed to do everything at yeah. the house. The man doesn't pick up all the slack. However, what we're not talking about very often is the, what you mentioned in, in your article that you wrote on LinkedIn was that you were the sole breadwinner and there is this in this patriarchal society that we're in, there is this very strong pressure on men to be the breadwinners, right? And that's a different kind of pressure that you carry. Different. Diff- we, we're we pressured to get the laundry done and take care of the kids in this, and you're pressured to make sure that we have the money to do all those things.
1: There's also the, the fact that I think we're created, if you like, with a responsibility that we, we carry as men. Um, I think that you know, I don't want to get into the whole identity, gender identity argument, but um, I think we are hardwired to take that responsibility, if you like. Um,
0: yeah, the, the patriarchal society teaches you that that's what your role is.
1: Yeah,
0: propaganda is is as such in the movies, and what, if we, if, if female propaganda is. You know, be a perfect mother and always have a perfect body and always look this particular way. Male propaganda is be successful, take care of your family, you know, be responsible financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't cry and don't complain and don't have pain and don't have emotions.
1: Yes. Now, funnily enough, I mean, emotions, I mean, wow. (laughs) You know, I I remember once, actually in this very room that I'm talking to now, I remember that I was – i mean literally wailing
0: um, yeah
1: i mean i mean you know i couldn't see through the tears it was it was and it i mean my my wife bless her she she was obviously con- very concerned about that yeah. and funnily enough you know i got i got it out of my system and then i'd realize cuz it was quite a warm summer's day and i've realized that i had the window open right and the neighbours are, you know, are quite close. <laughs> so, oh dear. you know, I'm, And that's the first thing you worry about is what will they think? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know yeah. there's something.
0: Which seems crazy, doesn't well, it? It does.
1: I mean, you know, I don't know, sort of having come, I wouldn't say that I'm right through the other side, because I think once you, I think, it's a, perhaps a little bit like an alcoholic. You've always got to be aw- aware that you have got this tendency and, and also the personality type, which we can touch on. But, you know, that whole not wanting to be seen to be a crying man, I mean, that's just... Yeah. That's just... Um, and yet, funnily enough... Of all the things that I write about on LinkedIn, and I do write about some deep marketing stuff, but it's always the stuff when I talk about burnout or depression that gets the most engagement. And funnily enough, I've also had some trolls, usually men, well, always men, actually. Men have a tendency, have have had a tendency, there's three types of responses to what I've written. One is to say, you know, I support you and thanks for speaking up. That's good. The second type is when they try and say, well, this is what you need to do, mate, this, 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 and try and
0: let me fix this for you,
1: (laughs) you know? And the third type is pull yourself together. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And that's where they are in their journey, right? That's what they're telling themselves. So that's what they're telling you too. and this is something that something else that was in the article that you wrote were that was really important to me because this is something that i push a lot is that there is a difference between the internal factors on burnout and the external factors of burnout right so you wrote internally i'm an all or nothing personality type i care a lot about everything i feel things deeply i don't find it easy to switch off I suffered from a fear of failure, right? And you talked about that bankruptcy at the age of 25. So those are all internal things that mm. a lot of us are not talking about. And this is some, the, in the burnout research, um, which I tore through for years, the burnout research that's available, it's all based in corporations and hospitals, And they're saying all the time that like burnout is the fault of the place that you work. It's not your fault. And I believe that burnout is not necessarily your fault because these internal things that you have, they're either part of you or you created them as a response to some sort of trauma in your life. So they're not your fault, but they are part of who you are and the work, your workplace can't be responsible for everything. And the people that I focus on burnout in is entrepreneurs. So that workplace is one that you created yourself. Yeah. So there's that much more pressure yeah. to sort of get it right. So I, I liked that you, um, that you wrote the differences between the internal and external factors, because I think it was really important to see that. Well,
1: interestingly, I, and that's only something I've come to recognize as a result. I've, I look back over the way that I've been in my life. And for example, I, you know, I played bass guitar in a, in a, in a band in England for, for a number of years. and, I wasn't interested in playing it so-so. I wanted, if I was going to play it, I was going to be good at it, you know? And it's always been that way. You know, I I used to swim a lot as a a young man, and, you know, but I had to be good at it. Um, And that comes from, I think, partly a lack of affirmation uh, as a boy, um but you know but my dad was a hard working working class building site guy yeah and was brought up in a working class mining family men are not raised to have emotions um and so that then produces men who are not used to or are not familiar with the words, I love you, son, or, um, any kind of affection. Or
0: good job, mate. Even just a simple good job, mate. Like that, that would do it yeah. a lot of times. Yeah.
1: So when you think about it, you know, when I look back at the way that I responded, you know, the response to the things that I did whether it be because I was very creative, always been creative, musical. I liked acting. I still like acting, design, whatever. And yet you crave for your old man to say, you know, son, that's good, good, good shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then,
1: and so you carry that with you. And then you go into so the problem for an entrepreneur as a man is you go into if you are this all on no, all or nothing type, you then go into business with that. Okay, I'm going to crash it. Yeah,
0: all or nothingness, and you don't get praise as an entrepreneur.
1: No, and there's no and there's nobody to tell you to go go home. Exactly, exactly. You know? So I would so I would stop for dinner play play with the kids a bit until they went to bed and then I get back back on it on it um mm-hmm. because you know I had this you know the hound of bankruptcy <laughs> howling in the background there um, yeah. and the fact that I wanted to prove
0: my value my worth all of it
1: yeah all of that comes comes into play and well, and, I, and I look back now, and I look back, and, I, and I've i got it somewhere. I don't have it to hand. at had a list of kind of the way that I would – the regimented way I would live my life. I would, you know, set the alarm for 5.30. I'd get up, go for a run, you know, do this, do this, do this, you know, shower, you know, and have it all mapped out to the minute detail. There was no time for any, you know, real chills.
0: Any introspection, any – Any question from yourself to yourself of, okay, body, what is it that you might need right now? How can I serve you? Like, when should we rest? And this this lack of praise is, in fact, what in the research is one of the major factors that leads to burnout is a lack of
1: praise. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all.
0: And it's one of the number. It's one of it's one of the top three factors. This is really important. And so I just did an episode a few weeks ago. I guess it would have come out the beginning of August. I did an episode a couple of weeks ago that about external validation and how we've created this Mm. belief in Western culture that we can do everything internally and if we feel good about ourselves, we don't need to hear anything from other people. And Mm. it's total bullshit. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we have to have external validation sometimes and you have to be aware enough to also hear it when it comes up and receive it when yeah. it comes up and not push it away because you're embarrassed or because it feels too, like you don't deserve right. it or whatever it happens to be. Like not only do you have to hear praise, but you have to be able to receive it. And it is a skill that requires mm. practice for most of us, especially those of us who are internally driven enough to be entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's true, and it's very true. And yet, the reality is, you can't. In order to, if, if if you if you become aware of it, the answer isn't to walk away from entrepreneurship and go back into an environment where you'll get some kind of oh, faux praise. Of course
0: not. Of course not. No, and this is the trick, right? In order to. Like do a good enough job to get good feedback from your clients to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be like, wow, you're the most amazing person I ever met. It's like, honestly, gratitude to me often looks like, because I I work on a monthly basis with clients and the the bill gets sent out in the beginning of the month. Yeah. Simple. To me, gratitude is you paying that bill on time as part of the praise to me, like I value you in this relationship enough to show up and and do my part to have this value exchange with you in a timely manner. And that's important to me. Right. So there's, there's ways to, be out there and accept praise and at the same time it can't be the only thing you're looking yeah. for and you can't have all of your validation coming from ex- the external you do have to have so there's got to be a mixture of that self-worth that you've built up inside yourself and an ability to notice when somebody is saying hey you did a good job
1: I don't think uh, I've got the balance anywhere near right yet Kate I think I, <laughs> no, I'm just being honest I, I think the reality,
0: yeah, it's hard. Well, the
1: reality is, is that I very, re- you know, even when I, you know, I'm, I'm, and my wife has a huge amount of patience. We're off, we can be <laughs> somewhere and she says, your your mind is on marketing. <laughs> she knows that I'm off somewhere in some kind of, you know. Yeah. And, and so it's very difficult to, to switch that off. It's also very difficult to switch off the voice that says, I am responsible for my client's success in a way that yeah. in a way that is kind of almost beyond reasonable
0: Yeah, yeah. And when we dig into it is is, um, very focused on you and not actually focused on the client, right? It's very egotistical. This is the same in the helping professions, right? It's like, when I first started working as an acupuncturist, my first job, I I finished my acupuncture degree in California, and I moved to Poland to be with my husband, who was Polish. And this was my first big international move. Yeah. As one does. And so I moved there and I started working at a fertility clinic and I worked in, a. I was one acupuncturist, 16 doctors. Right. But all of a sudden I was responsible for making sure everyone got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was responsible for that. I took that on myself and I did. I was young. So really feeling the need to prove myself. I was 24 Mm. at the time. So really feeling the need to prove myself Mm. and really feeling a little bit embarrassed that my patients needed something more than me to get where they were going. Meanwhile, we're talking about making babies, so my patients obviously need something outside of me to get where they're going, right? So it was like uh, this really insane amount of pressure and responsibility I put on myself to get this result, which ultimately none of us had any control yeah, yeah, yeah. over.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's right? it. It was wild. That's it. There are so many variables that that you know, even even in, even what I do. Um, you know there's no such thing as a guaranteed anything I'm afraid.
0: No well then you start a marketing program for somebody and then coronavirus hits. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? It's not you you can't control that you can pivot and you can change things a little bit but you don't we've we weren't prepared for this nobody knew how this was going to turn out right so this is it's really hard but that sense of responsibility is um is a big one. And so I want to get into this now because this is super important to me. This month, well, currently we are actually recording this in August, but it will be released at the end of September. So this month in September, you're starting a peer support group for men who have burnt out called the burnout mm-hmm. bros, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can we talk about that? Mm. What, I know obviously you have a burnout story, so I know that that sparked it, but what took you from, okay, I burnt out to, Holy shit, we need a community. We need to support each other.
1: I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest. And,
0: <laughs> oh, please do. It's my favorite.
1: And tell you that part of it, part of it is because I felt that I was able, I'm secure enough in my own skin, in my own identity to be able to do it without mm. feeling at all. I mean, you know, when people attack me for this, I actually, I don't feel, you know, I actually feel like, well, I kind of, I can kind of relate to what you're saying because I've kind of yeah. thought like that inwardly before I went through it. You yeah. know, um, yeah, I'm more sensitive to when I'm attacked as a marketer, funnily enough. um, mm. um, but so part of it was 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 the fact that I I, I felt I could, and I almost felt like 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 somebody should, and you know, right. why not me, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I know how I've created a com- a community before. I know what's involved. I know the tools. You know, just get on with it, Daryl. You know, so that was part of it. The other part of it yeah. was. I was listening to somebody talk about Jamie Oliver, the chef, right, and how Jamie Oliver—it was either his PR people or whatever—but basically, he started taking an interest in what the what mattered to the community, um, school dinners, as an example.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And as a result, that di- directly impacted his his. Um, Bottom line. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and his fame as a chef and everything else. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not pretending that there isn't also an angle where this is going to benefit my business. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, of course.
1: You know. And well, and um, as well, it should. Yeah. So there's two sides to to the coin, uh, but the the amount of response I've had to it, even from some ceos of large organizations who who have are very pleased that somebody's doing this has made me think well you know this is obviously long overdue yeah and um so simply will be a a podcast i'm going to use patreon so that people can support it if they want to great um you know you've you've got the pay-what-you-can option on Patreon. So if people want to put a few bucks in, then they can. Um, And then we'll have interviews and hopefully the opportunity for people to be able to engage with one another and um, support one another. Though I'm not going to pretend to be, and I'm I'm certainly not in a position mentally or emotionally to provide any kind of um, support um, well that's what and, people
0: like me are for, yes, this is what I do all day every day <laughs> yes
1: but 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 i I felt that I could facilitate it
0: yeah, moderate it Yeah, absolutely
1: and then um you know, as the need arises, we bring in you know the likes of yourself and um you know to help out and you know and hopefully everybody benefits that sort of thing um you know i mean i'm, I'm you know I've, I've i've also been part of groups where people have been very reluctant to speak up so i know that they, there's going to be a certain amount of barriers to get through but you know
0: well, I think that also depends on the amount of openness that the group has started with. I mean, the way that yeah. you shared your story on LinkedIn already has created a response of other people willing to share those things. So yes. I think that depends on when I first actually started Fried the Burnout podcast, it was, you know, in July 2019 was the first episode. Yeah. And I was really afraid in the beginning, really afraid that I was not going to find enough people who were willing to share their stories with the ugly bits, as I call them the ugly bits. Right. And when I sent out a call out to be on the show, I said, all right, but listen, I'm looking to like, hear about how you were crying on the bathroom floor and how you wanted to drive off a road. Like I want the real Mm. stories. I don't want you to tell me how it's all, you know, you fixed it all and it's wonderful. And now you have this business about it. Like, I want to hear the, the, the nasty, gritty roughness of what you went through because i feel like that's what people will respond to and i i was afraid that no one would be actually willing to go there yeah and within 48 hours i had scheduled 35 interviews wow out of those 35 i used 33 of them because those people were willing to actually go there which and i was floored and then once the podcast was rolling, I now have a list of people that will take me to through the end of 2021 mm. because people are like, I want to tell my burnout story and I'm not even looking for them anymore. I'm not looking for people on purpose because I, I already have this massive list of people to get through. Yeah. But there happened to be, because I made that very clear in the beginning and very important to me that that was going to be the only way to move forward. Those were the people that ended up here and that's what brought us to crossing 20,000 downloads and being in the top 200 podcasts on iTunes and all of that kind of stuff. So I think if that's your goal then you be you and you talk with your blunt honesty that you know how to speak with and you share the stories that you know how to share and then other yeah. people just jump on board. I don't yeah. I don't know if it's as much like because of my own experience with a similar thing. I don't think that the barrier to get where you'd like to go is as high or as thick as you might imagine that it could be. Okay.
1: okay. Well, that's good to know. Uh, that's good to know. It, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm, something we, did, we didn't quite plumb the depths around. I, I wanted to touch on the mental side of it. Yeah. Uh, Jump just right in. I don't know how long we've got, but. Um, Enough time. I remember and you you probably can relate to this as well. I remember once being lying on the bed and my mind wanting to go to such a dark place that I almost had to physically prevent it. And that sounds bizarre.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: It's like knowing that, that, that you're kind of almost unravelling yeah. and then you have to kind of almost go no i know that this is this is irrational because of my condition yeah. and i have got and i'm choosing not to go there because this is actually not real <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I've had a thing my whole life where I would catastrophize in my head, but not on purpose. Like if there was some sort of guided meditation and they're like, think up a happy thought, I would like think up a happy thought of like being a little girl, say walking down the street with a balloon, and then somebody coming by and popping the balloon, like it would automatically enter there. So I've had that. And, and mostly in imagination situations, I don't catastrophize like day to day life. But in imaginary situations, my imagination would automatically go there every time. And when I was burnt out, it went there five times faster.
1: Yeah, exactly. It It was
0: just like, nope, we're blowing up. And I was like, how are we blowing up already? I just just started this meditation. Why are we already blowing up?
1: I just wanted to, I mean, the reason I went there, the reason I wanted to say that is because I think some people, for some people, that would be a clue that there's something wrong because... You know, they might not even be acknowledging. You know, the hardest thing, I think, is that so much fear. Actually, the fear to even go to the talk to the GP about it.
0: Especially because most of the time the GP is not going to believe you. Well,
1: or, or yeah. yeah,
0: Especially as a woman. And this is one of those things that's worse as a woman. There's a, such a thing called Yentl syndrome, which means that doctors, whether they be male or female, are taught of subconsciously. That when a man comes in and complains about a problem, it's because there's something actually physically wrong with him, and then when a woman comes in and complains about the same problem, it's because she's emotional.
1: Well, that's very interesting you say that because I remember when my son was—he was—he he was probably just over a year old, and he fell over. I was out at work doing something. He'd fallen over at home and had hurt. Is turned out he had a fractured arm, mm. so we had to take him to the hospital. And the first thing we got to the reception area, yeah. I said to I, so- I think my son's fractured his arm. And the woman behind the counter looked at me with a look that suggested that, what have you done to him?
0: Yeah, isn't right? And that's a whole nother aspect of it.
1: Well, I'm just saying that I've clearly people are trained to deal with these things a particular way. And that's...
0: To make these assumptions for the safety of the children is what they're taught. Yeah. So you get put into monster box immediately.
1: Yeah. Yeah, is exactly.
0: that Oh, that's horrifying. I haven't I, I mean that makes so much sense, obviously, but I hadn't considered it like that. But
1: only in relation to what you were saying there. That clearly clearly it's kind of, you know, even though it's completely wrong, yeah. That's the way that they're taught to react to
0: yeah, the confirmation bias in the medical system is, um, is really rough and for various things. And it is, it is worst. It is worse always for people of color in every regard. They, I mean, it's worse, a hundred times worse, um, for them. Absolutely. But, but everybody does have some sort of something to contend with, but like they've done study after study after study. A man goes in and has a migraine and gets all sorts of tests and treatments. A woman goes in with repeated migraines and they say, Oh, you're probably just stressed out. It's probably hormones. You poor thing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's such a wild, such a wild thing to have to go through. Like I've had people and I'm, I look at doctors and I say, listen, I went through like the beginning of the same schooling you did before I went to Chinese medicine school. Like, I, I mean, I, I've been there. Yeah, I'm telling you, I know my body and something is not going right. Yeah. Like, come on guys. But it's just like,
1: but there's only so much that training can give you. It's actually life experience, which gives you the empathy and the.
0: uh, Yeah. Yeah. But this is built into our societies anyway. I mean, it's just built into the way that we're taught to taught to be. Yeah. That mental part, um, is extremely important. And I like that you brought up this sort of like I feel like I have to physically change things in order to like survive this moment right now because I'm literally unraveling Yes, and I need to just like pull myself together and get through Yeah, That is a massive, big sign. Anybody who's listening is thinking I'm not burnt out, you know, Mm. that's a massive big sign that, yeah, you probably are. I see that a lot. I've had people write to me quite a few times that said they listened to my podcast for like four months and the whole time they're like, Oh, this is like super interesting sort of experimental thing, but like it's not about me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And
0: then all of a sudden being like, holy shit, it's about me. I've been interested in this for months because I'm actually burned out. Yeah.
1: Well, precisely. This is a yeah. and the nice and actually funnily enough, I feel in some ways, quite privileged to have experienced it. I don't I don't say that in some kind of weirdly what I mean is I can actually sit here and think, okay, you know, I struggle with burnout, and I struggle with depression, and so what? You know?
0: This is that big message in my book. It's like, okay, it happened. Yeah. Whatever. Let's deal with yeah. it. Yeah. It's de- deal with this. This is something that can be dealt with. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal and it's important. And also, it's fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. In fact, it, you know, the reality is it hasn't taken me out. And, um, right. you know, and I've been bankrupt. I've been divorced. I've been, you know, through this stuff. And um, and I think, if anything, it's the other reason why I'm doing Burnout Bros is that I have an empathy now, which I didn't have before. Even a, a compassion or whatever, that I'm actually... If it's possible to do it in the digital landscape, I know it's difficult, but I feel that I'm actually capable of just kind of coming alongside somebody and saying, you know.
0: I see you. Yeah. I get it. Yeah.
1: And I'll listen and I won't judge and. Exactly. You know.
0: Exactly.
1: um, Exactly. And that's the thing. I don't think you could do it without experiencing it.
0: No. No. Cause you do poo poo it a little bit.
1: Like it can't be that bad. Well, you do. You do. You do. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure my wife wouldn't mind me saying that, you know, she's she had some issues along the way with mental health issues and, um, you know, and there have been times in the past because let's face it before I went through burnout and stuff, I, I, you know, I mean struggled a bit when I went through bankruptcy mentally, but with panic attacks and stuff. But, um, I've never. It's never really been an issue, and I've always thought to a point. Well, you know what you've got to do yes. is, you know, a little bit more exercise and a little bit less of the wine, and
0: you'll be fine. You know,
1: and the, there's a balance somewhere, and then you know it will all it all clicks into place, and you know, and you've just got to get you've just got to turn off the, you know, you've got to you've got to get into the positive.
0: Oh, So crazy.
1: And then, and everything will be fine. Well, right. actually, you know. Not quite. No. No. <laughs> not, not at all. Yeah,
0: not at all. And then you, and you wrote the bottom of this article I really enjoyed. You said, in conclusion, burnout sucks. I can honestly, honestly say that in all my 52 years, I haven't experienced anything quite as debilitating. I've learned a lot of lessons through it, though. Mainly that I'm not a machine. Mm. Mm -hmm. and that I also don't have to crush it in order to live a fulfilled life. Yeah. So I I like to use that to sort of guide us toward toward the end of the episode because I think this is a beautiful way to finish it. I'm going to read those last two lines again, everybody, because I want you to soak these up for a minute, allow yourself to take a deep breath, right? So inhale and exhale. And I'm going to read these two lines again because I think they're really powerful. I'm not a machine and I don't have to crush it in order to live a fulfilled life. Those are beautiful, beautiful statements. So if you had something that you want to share with people who feel like they're listening to this and they're like, oh, shit, maybe I am on a burnout journey. Mm. What would you what would you say to them right now?
1: Well, you probably are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that was awesome.
1: If you th- well, if you think you are, you probably are, and yeah. that's probably the best thing to do. I mean, i I know, I know that we've kind of poo-pooed doctors a little. No,
0: bit. No, my first think, step is always doctor.
1: Yeah, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. It, it's good. To, you know and if your Gp doesn't have a great bedside man I get another one for crying out loud you know yeah um mine mine wasn't great but the one i've been with more recently has been very good um both were men actually funnily enough and to look I know that some people have issues. I'm I'm on medication now um not prozac on the, on a different one Salatopram, what's it called one of them on the lowest dose and actually to be honest with you it it's really helped me yeah. to stabilize yeah. um might not be for everybody and and I, I mean I'm I'm a christian so I I I was reluctant to take <laughs> medication for for it being some kind of weakness thing which is ridiculous but um don't be afraid of the meds mm. but mm. Also, you know, some things just have to fall away. I mean, I've, I, I had to hit the wall. Some people have to. Yes. Some people have to. Yes. So some people have to hit the wall. I mean, perhaps us all or nothing types have to hit the wall before we, we have the sense knocked into us. Yeah, totally. Um, but I left behind some things which I don't do anymore in terms of professionally you know, I've re- I repositioned myself and um, I'm much happier in my work now. I don't do as much as I did before. Yeah. And I go to the kids' school assemblies and I get involved with stuff that I wasn't able to do before because I was too busy. And funnily enough, our world didn't fall apart <laughs> when I did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day... Funnily enough, you know, my 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 son and my daughter, we 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 play and stuff. And there's no. I was thinking to myself the other day. I said, but "You know, there's no amount of money, right, that you could give me that I could trade for the fact that they are, they seem to be happy kids. Yeah, you know, you can't buy that off of a shelf. You know,
0: most definitely not. So.
1: I don't want to then drive myself into the ground trying to create this lifestyle, which I think is going to be better for them when all along they, they would rather spend time with daddy, you know, it's yeah. just
0: better boundaries, better priorities, better life.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's it, mate. I like it. That's it. I
0: like it. Mm-hmm. Daryl, I am going to put all the information for everybody to find you and to find the burnout bros in the show notes um, so that there is, is it is as easy as possible for people to connect with what you're doing. I am particularly going to stop and give you a moment of praise that I hope that you will accept because I really believe that the space that you're filling is absolutely necessary. Um, I don't think that there are enough men talking about burnout. And I believe that creating that space and that community for other men in the burnout realm is incredibly important. So I am so pleased that you're doing what you're doing. And I'm really impressed by the way that you've written about it and the way that you've been open about it. And I think that that will lead other people to doing the same. So I am very grateful for you. And I'm so glad that you took the time to be on the podcast today. Thanks so much for being a great guest.
1: It was an honor and a privilege, Kate. Thank you so much.
0: All right, everybody, that wraps up another week of Fried the Burnout podcast. Please remember that you matter, that your health matters, that your mental health matters, and that there are people out here who are willing to support you. If you feel like you need some help, you can always start with going to your doctor, and then you can book a free call with me to find out if I am a good fit for guiding you through this burnout process that you might just be stuck in. Until next time. Don't you love when you just hear something like that and you think, yes, 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 all the yeses to this. That's how I felt during this whole episode, and I hope you felt it too. If you have a man in your life who needs some burnout support and you feel like he would do best getting that support from other men, I highly encourage them to check out the Burnout Bros Um, to join the Patreon, to listen to the podcast, join the community, get involved, because I think having that kind of support from other people who understand you is incredibly important. And there are some things that I understand and accept, but just don't think about as much when it comes to men because it's not my day-to-day life experience. So um, I'm really glad to have had Daryl on the show, and I hope that you all enjoyed it. And please, please, please remember that you can now buy a copy of The Bounce Back Ability Factor for yourself. Lucky you. The Bounce Back Ability Factor is designed to let you drop the guilt around burnout, give you resources on how to heal, and allow you to feel a little bit of relief page by page by page as you go through the book, making you realize that you're not alone. You can totally heal. This is not crazy everything is going to be okay. There are reasons why this happened very clearly explained. And I think that you are going to love it if you don't already. So you can go over to amazon.com, type in the bounce back ability factor and your paperback and Kindle options will show up. All right. See you next time